Welcome to the Financial Advisors Edge Podcast, a show created by financial advisors for financial advisors. Are you ready for some straight talk about building and growing a financial services practice? Four advisors in different states at different firms that have each built $100 million plus practices from scratch the right way through hard work, doing the right thing, and having fun while doing it. It's time for you to get the edge. Here are your hosts, Brad Warhurt, Jeff Copeland, Jim Martin, and Greg Gonzalez. Hey, and welcome into the show. Jim Martin here, joined by Greg Gonzalez and Brad Warhurst, two giants in the industry. Gentlemen, thank you for being here. Excited about today's show. We are talking about tough objections. Look, you're going to get objections. There is just no doubt about it. People are going to ask you questions. They're, but here's the cool thing. They're generally going to ask you the same question over and over again. So making sure you have answers to these tough questions, these objections, can really, really put you in a position to win more business. And that's what we're talking about is winning more business. And so let's just kind of jump right in today, guys. I know this this is a question that came up on the Elite Advisor Lab. I thought it was a great question. Greg thought it was a great question. And yeah, I think we've all had it. You're sitting across the table from a prospect and the prospect says to you, do you have an asset minimum? Do you have a minimum? Brad, let's go right over to you. What do you say? <laughs> I don't. I don't have an. I don't have an asset minimum. Um, I I talk to them about a personality minimum, <laughs> and if we'd be uh, if we'd be a good fit to work together, you know, we've got to like working with each other, that type of thing. I might be in a little bit different boat than most people on this question because my answer to uh, kind of the other part of that question is usually like, "What is your fee?" and I don't go by a standard just asset based fee schedule and I I routinely tell people that um you know my my fees are combined with uh how much money they have and how complex the work is. So someone with lower assets I be to make up for the lack of assets so I might be in a, a different boat. How about you yeah. Greg? Yeah, um so so typically at this point I I don't run into this question a whole heck of a lot. Um but but I've with my sales process, I've already pre-qualified them. I know how much money they have. And so my thoughts, and, and maybe I'm overthinking this this question, but um, but what how I would answer it just flat is I would say typically we work with people just like you um that are people who are you know 55 and older and serious about retirement planning, and and they typically have between five hundred thousand and two million dollars. You know, and that's just assuming like this person, let's say they had $700,000. I'm going to give a range. I always give a range. That's just how I do it. So that's a good point, Greg, that as the advisor, prior to getting that question, we talked about in a past episode, how they do some digging on you ahead of time. You should probably have done some digging and some pre-qualification on them. So you probably want to have a good idea when this question comes out, if this person has 2200000 or $22. You know, right. so that your answer is tailored to, you know, if somebody with two million bucks is in front of you, you don't want to tell them your typical client is 450. Exactly. Exactly. You know? <laughs> exactly. Now, I was thinking into this question too much. Um, as as a, a um, I believe it was David that was on the office hours, and I want to get Brad's take and Jim's take on this. I was thinking that let's say the person's in front of you and they're saying, What is the asset minimum? Are they asking that question to say, what is the minimum amount of money that I have to, to open an account with you today? 
And then if everything goes okay, I'll transfer the rest of it to you. Is that why they're asking the question? Or are they from the point of view of, do I have enough money to even work with you? Am I, am I going to be a small fish? Um, or am I going to get a, you know, um, it is your minimum a million bucks and I only have 600,000. So what do you guys think? What yeah, I think it can go both ways. I, I I've seen it both ways for sure. So, um, sometimes people that will ask the minimum have probably encountered another advisor that had a really high minimum and they brought their $400,000 over there. And they said they only work with people with a million. So they, they just want to make sure they qualify and they have enough to work with you. Um, so that, that's an easy one. That's a home run hitter right there. You know, and, and you almost have to say like, you're, you're doing them not a favor, but you know, you're kind of, you're doing them a solid by working with them. Like, you know, I generally work with people with half a million dollars, but you know, I also work with people I like and that will take my advice and I can get along with the other, the other side of this is the person who's wants to test you out. And the person who wants to test you out has, you know, maybe they have a relationship somewhere else, or they've got an old 401k, or they've, they've got something, but they don't want to move all of their assets to you because they don't know you. And you, you generally encounter this when you're younger or newer in the business, as opposed to like being uh, deeper into the business, but it's something we all encounter. And I'm going to be honest, like I, I just tell people like generally my minimum is whatever they have, uh, not, not so much for them, but my minute, you know, I set my minimum based upon the client and the relationship. And I, I I don't want, here's what I don't want to do. I don't want people to comparison shop me. Like I don't want to be in competition with the other advisor or, or their, their account that they're measuring me against because I'm never going to win. Like it's this apples and oranges kind of approach. Like I'm going to get their risk, right? I'm going to do this. And they might have a concentrated position of Tesla and, and, you know, like they're, they're comparing me to that position and either I'm going to win or lose. It's like, it's never going to matter how well I do. So I think you have to be very cautious. You need to know why they're asking the question before you ask it, before they ask it. So you can answer it appropriately. How, how about you? Brad, do you, do you see people asking because they've got, they, they want to test you out or is it generally, they're just trying to figure out if they can work with you? I've gotten both, but it's the majority of which has been the, do I have enough to work with you? Yeah. It, it is, it, it has happened where somebody wants to test me out or what's the minimum I can get them to try this service out. But, but I'm going to say 80 to 90% of the time, they're concerned that they don't have enough to work with me. So let, let, let me ask it a different way. So we're, we're sitting down, they ask the asset minimum, but they ask it a different way. They say, well, what if I, what if I just give you half just to yeah. test you, just to test it out? And I see this, I, I've seen it with 401ks, like, oh, I've got this 401k rollover. What if I just roll, it's 500,000. What if I just give you 250? Because my 401k has actually been doing pretty well. Greg, do you, do you want this? I feel like when these questions come up, like, I mean, I'm I'm good with it. I love this question, but I don't feel like my answer is traditional. So, I don't, Greg, you can go. Let's first. go to Greg. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want people listening and then be like, Here, "Here's what here's what Brad just said." Don't listen to what Brad says. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, it, it, oh boy, I I just sat back in my my chair when when. Jim said, Oh, my 401k's been doing well. <laughs> oh, God. You know, it, it's, it's like that always like makes me want to jump off a bridge. Like, yes, yeah, it's completely based upon your four. That's that's the reason you've been doing well. Your 401k is so awesome. That's why you've been doing great. You yeah, guys and, are ahead of the game already because you both said the client said my 401k. Usually I just get my 401 is doing well. It's, we have How smarter. about my IRA? We have smarter clients. <laughs> my IRA. 
yeah. Or it's it's my pen. The person that calls it a pension. Uh, yeah. Oh, my yeah. my pension is is oh it, it lost money last month. My pension lost money. Oh, I get those. Two. Sometimes I wonder if I'm missing something. Sometimes I'm like, hey, did the Secure Act 2.0 invent another type of account that I'm not aware of? <laughs> it did not. Nope. Still, still 401k. Still 401k then, or an IRA, but not an IRA. <laughs> yeah, my IRA. Um, IRA. So IRA. I had a, I had a woman the other day said uh, that's my my Roth IRA and. In sales, you know, th- this is a this is a sales business. Uh, you you do not correct people. Um, and so I didn't want to tell her, hey, by the way, that's not a Roth IRA. That is that's that's a tr- traditional IRA. But I I had to approach it politely and say, maybe I have the, uh, the wrong statement here because I, uh, you know, the registration at the top left it it actually says traditional. Do, do you have a, a Roth? You mentioned a Roth IRA. Is there another account? Because you didn't provide me your Roth statement, she didn't even know it was not a Roth IRA. So, <laughs> uh, anyway, um, but with that question, and thank goodness I don't get that question a lot, uh, guys. As far as uh, leaving the money in the four hundred one k because it's do- been doing well. What I will mention is is you know typically typically our, our clients are, are more comfortable with with everything being consolidated and managed in one place that w- that way we don't have three or four different accounts that are at different firms that that we have to try to keep track of uh, and if everything's in one place it, now if you're happy with your investments in your 401k we can talk about having very similar if not identical investments in your rollover IRA um, so if, if there's not a need to, to make a change, we can have the exact same investments and you're happy, I'm happy. Um, and it's easier to track that way. By the way, um, that, that, that's great messaging. Um, what you just said okay. there. And, and, and I think people need to really be mindful of that. What, what Greg has not done is tried to sell his model or his fancy thing. He said, in I want, I want to repeat it and you tell me if I got it right, because I'm going to use it. Look, if you're really happy with your 401k, we can have the same or almost identical investments in your rollover IRA here. You got it. Yeah, that's that's a splendid messaging. People should really take note of that. I noticed the same, Jim. Greg, I I agree. And you know what? It's the same. And there's been research in this and like the in and ironically in cell phones with the like bring your own cell phone plan that like you just get done paying for you know a thousand dollar twelve hundred dollar phone. You're like last thing I want to do is like like have to do that all over again, but being able to just, I like my cell phone. I just want to change service providers is much. It takes it. We talked about this recently too. make it easy for them to say, yes, make it easy to say, Oh, you like, Oh, you love those fidelity. No problem. We work with fidelity too. Sorry, and, Greg, go ahead. No, and, and where the the inexperienced advisor um, might try to, like Jim said, sell them on their, their tactical model that that t- tries to time the market in and out and that kind of thing and you know that's been doing well but we can do better look at this look at the past returns on this model it's going to outperform and that's where advisors really shoot themselves in the foot well look i just compared the performance of our t- our back tested tactical model and we actually would have been ahead of what you're she just told you she was happy with the 401k and you're trying to try to convince her and change her mind that there's something better. Don't do that. Don't, don't do that. So that's the way I, uh, I would approach that. But, but thankfully I, I don't get that a whole heck of a lot. So 
Yeah, I think it's great. Um, let, let's talk about some other objections uh, that, that come out. And I, I think this is an interesting one that, that I've seen once or twice in my career. People w- will come to you and, you know, if you're, if you're, you know, whether you're 10 years into the business or five years in the business, they might ask you, are you going to be in business in five years? Uh, what, what happens when you retire? Um, what happens if you die? These are kind of the same kind of questions that people ask. Brad, how do you handle that? That's funny. I mean, I get that question regularly. Must be all the gray hair. <laughs> uh, actually, now that I think about it, it probably is. But no, you know, I, I again, in my normal approach of just talking to people like they're people, um, I just tell them my plan is. In order to do that, though, you have to have a plan. So I'd say step one in dealing with that objection is have a have a formalized catastrophe catastrophe plan with you know, with another advisor in case you were to become disabled, you need someone to cover for you in case you need to retire early, um, in case you're at retirement age and you're going to retire, whatever your plan is, work on it, get it formalized, have it in writing, of course, and then you can describe it to people that ask and you can tell them it's actually in writing. And then I always, I always try to make uh, a point and I, this applies you know, to all of us, um, I think a tip for everybody in the industry is try and stay away from proprietary product as much as you can. Um, and I point that out to clients when they ask and say, Hey, you know, and remember nothing we do here is proprietary. So if something happens to me, here's my plan. If you don't, you know, if you don't like my successor, if you don't like what my plan ends up being, you can pick up everything you have here and take it anywhere else you want. Brad, I even, I even tell people like, you know, the reality is you hire me on a quarter by quarter basis, right? Yeah. Every quarter you get to make a decision if you want to continue to pay me. So mm-hmm. we don't use proprietary products. You're not going to be locked into something. These are, yep. You are free to leave. And we want you, if, if for some reason you think that we are no longer acting in your best interest or the advisor that you want to select, you should leave. Now we want to yep. be able to fix it, but you're free to go. Sure. And I think, Jim, a lot of this stuff um, answering in this way, like just like with Greg's kind of roundabout compliment of being like letting them know that you like them, like explaining a lot of this stuff to them is for for me anyway, it's always been prospects almost that ask this question. Like when they're when they're, you know, first, second meeting or being onboarded, it it almost it helps close too, because you know, it, it lets them feel like they're already a part of it. They're already thinking about like what happens if you're not he- like in their mind, they're already kind of visualizing working with you. So the more that you can connect them to, you know, your process and your practice, I think I think that that helps solidify the relationship. And that's when I get that question. I don't ever get somebody that's like been a client for years. It's like, Hey, I was just wondering the other day, what happens if you die? I've never gotten that. It's always when they're becoming a client. Yeah. I, I get to die. Like sometimes. Are you really? Oh yeah. Yeah. What, what now, Jim, I, I have a hard time asking this, but what <laughs> happens if you're no longer here? And I always, here's how I always answer it. Well, you're going to cry and I expect you to wear black for a year and you're going to have to make a decision. <laughs> Do you like the new advisor that I've chosen to take over for my practice? Or do you want to change? And it's as simple as that. Like you just answer it. And I have a team now, so it's easier. Like I don't get the question as much, but I, I have gotten it. Um, you know, I, I think about like, you know, when we're, as we're going through these, these are all questions like that we've gotten our whole career that y- you've got to be ready for. You have to practice. 
And that's why that's a lot of the things that we do in the elite of the elite advisor lab is is practicing the basics, getting really good at the basics. If you if you look at the best hitters in Major League Baseball, like they're not doing anything special. Like like they're they're doing the same damn thing Ty Cobbs did, you know, 80 years ago. They're doing the basics. And the basics are what lead to success, repetition, that muscle memory, understanding how to answer these questions, understanding how to market, understanding how to build processes and systems. That's what we talk about every week in the Elite Advisor Lab. The Elite Advisor Lab, look, if you want to go deeper in depth on what we do here, you want to learn more about how we run our practices, you want to see our deliverables, our systems, our processes, if you want access to us to have conversations with and talk about your situations and your practices, I want to invite you to go out and join the Elite Advisor Lab. What is it? It's a virtual coaching. It's a, a virtual mastermind where once a week we have a live session that's recorded and you can learn and you can ask questions and you can get better. And, and what we're trying to do is forge amazing advisors, elite advisors there. It's EliteAdvisorLab.com. Again, that is EliteAdvisorLab.com. Let's, let's get, well, I think we've got time for one more question on today's show. And, and Greg kind of sent me a chat here about this. And um, yeah, this is one, Greg, uh, that I get sometimes. And Do you? I have, you know, like, hey, my uh, XYZ charges 1%. You know, are you going to match their rate? And and I've got an answer for this, but I, I, before I answer mine, um, let's just go around the horn. Let's start with you, Greg, because you send it out. How do you, how do you answer that? Yeah. So uh, what I would say is um, I, I get this seldomly, but I I've gotten it before. And, and typically they're, they're going to say, oh, well, X, Y, Z is, you know, firm, um, is, you know, we've interviewed them and they're cheaper. Their, their advisory fee or whatever it is, is, is less than yours. Will you match it? It's never going to be the opposite way. It's never going to be, oh, they charge more than you. You should be charging what they're, you know, so, um, so they're they're asking you essentially to discount what uh, whatever advisory fee you had quoted them. So what I'll say is, um, you know, something like, um, uh, no, um, you know, the the we we charge a very reasonable rate for all the services that we provide. So I am probably assuming I have to assume that they quoted you based on the services that they're going to provide, and they're not going to uh, you know provide you the same level of service and advice that that we are, and therefore we charge more. So, and, and I'll give specific examples, uh, you know, for example, does XYZ firm, you know, help you with this, this, and this, and they'll say, well, no, they didn't. In, in fact, they, they, um, they, they told us they, they don't give tax planning advice at all. They can't talk about taxes. It's like, okay, well, that's why they charge less and they get the point pretty quick. So, yeah, yeah. I'm going to answer Then I'll go over to Brad. Cause I suspect Brad might have a different answer than I will. So, you know, again, this is the, uh, I think somebody said this is the, 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 the home show or whatever it's called of, or I get the traveling. Yeah. I don't, what do they call it? But where you can go like, the homes on parade where you can look at different homes. Um, for me, parade of homes, parade, parade of, of homes. homes. That's it. Yeah. Yep. So, so for me, I, you know, I'm, I'm, mm. pr I'm pretty clear. Like we have a fee schedule. We stick to our fee schedule. I, I, I think it's a disservice it, when you cut fees for one person and somebody else pays full price. I just think you're creating this this area where you're not treating your clients fairly across the board. I don't like it. And I always tell people like, yeah, we can negotiate the fee. You can pay more. Um, but mm -hmm. you know, I don't think you want to it ultimately. And and I just tell people like, hey, this is our fee. We're we're not the most expensive. We're not the cheapest. But 
you have to make a decision if we're valuable to you. And I'll tell you that nine times out of 10 people come with me when, when we have this conversation. I don't think you should shy away from it. I think your fee is your fee. I think you should own it. I also think you should also make sure that it's not too high. Like I, I have talked to advisors who are, their fee is so high that they're costing themselves significant amounts of business. But make sure you price yourself in the right space. Like price yourself accordingly for what you're going to provide and the value you're going to give and and own that. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. So yeah, that's how we handle it. Brad, how about you? <laughs> that doesn't happen to me very often. <laughs> I would guess in most cases, if somebody asked me to match a fee, if I said yes, I would get a raise. <laughs> but no, I don't, you know, I think you guys answered I think you guys offered the correct answers. I mean, I don't know <clears throat> at this stage. I mean, if push came to shove, I mean, I would want to point out some different differences in service offerings. I would also point out hidden fees a lot of times, which sometimes I've been successful with. And sometimes I, I haven't been like the, uh, the $2 million guy that I lost like in year two in the business that it didn't matter. Um, I was like a third of his all-in fee and it just, but mine was on the statement and his was buried in a C share. So it, it still didn't work. I don't know. I, I, at my, at my capacity, my stage of capacity right now, no, I, I would come up with my fee, whatever it is for a particular prospect. And I probably wouldn't negotiate it down to match it. I wouldn't if, go so far. Go, if go. you were newer in the business, would you? That's though? where I'm, that's why I'm, that's why I'm going as long-winded answer is except for if I were at a point where I was like, Hey, and in the and in the advisor lab right now, I'm working with a couple of people that are are kind of at this stage where like if you had a million dollar client that wanted a one percent you know fee instead of one a quarter, like that ten thousand dollars a year in revenue could add another digital lead service, add another series of seminars, heck, keep your employment contract. If you're at that stage of the game where they're not asking you to go for twenty five basis points, but they're asking for you know ten or twenty basis point cut, and it's and everything else works, right? You like them. It's just that and you get the business. Yeah, I think I would consider it if that's what it takes to get the job done. And or I would probably try and slide in with that, um, you know, a difference and say like, you know, uh, the other. I'm not going to, you know, here's going to be the service model though, right? It's one review a year, whatever you feel is fair, right? But I, I think that's why I don't get this as much because I price things like this from the beginning. If somebody is like, hey, I only want to meet once a year and I'm cool with Zoom. I'm going to price them lower from the beginning. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I think that's fair. And I think, look, I, I, I don't know. I heard this somewhere a long time ago, but I, I took it to heart. It's I, I'm not going to lose a million dollar account over 10 bips. Right. Like, like I, I just don't think you should do that. But you also have to be, you also have to build for the future and, and be mindful that, you know, if you're going to ever go RIA, you're going to have to have a service. You're going to have to have a fee schedule and you don't want to have 12 different fee schedules running around because you did it. Now, if you're in any broker dealer, you can do this easier. Um, but if you're an RA, you have to have a fee schedule, you have to upload them to your systems, you have to bill them, you have to do all the billing. And if you have 10 different fee schedules or 20 different fee schedules and everybody's custom, you are going to have a literal tiger by the tails. And, and you just have to be careful there. So I, I think it's all, I think it's, there's no right or wrong answer here, right? Like I think that's the important thing. You just have to do what's think- right for you. Yeah, and I think the message the or the message that the industry tries to get through to us is let's not have a race to the bottom. Right. Jim will do it for 20. Don't come in and say do it for 19. Greg will do it for 18. I'll come back at 17. Let's not race to zero on this. Let's focus on value is yeah. the point. Yeah, bring value and it, look, people will pay. And if they don't, who cares? Like <laughs> Like there's plenty of prospects out there, guys. Don't get too hung up on this. Look, hey, I want to thank people for listening to the show. I hope 
Hope this was helpful. Remember, you're, you're going to see these objections all the time. Have an answer for them. Practice this. You know, Tiger Woods was not the best golfer in the world because he didn't practice. And Michael Jordan didn't spend all that time in the gym uh, just because he loved practicing. He did it because he wanted to be the best player on the court. And that's why the Elite Advisor Lab is so important if you want to get better. If you want these reps, if you want to get better, if you want to talk to some some people who have done it, I invite you to join us. Join our virtual mastermind. We do a weekly live session. We do coaching throughout the week. We have a forum where people share and grow. If you want a community where iron sharpens iron, join the Elite Advisor Lab. That's EliteAdvisorLab.com. We look forward to seeing you there. That link is in the show notes. Again, EliteAdvisorLab.com. Remember, grow your business, get better. We'll be back next week on the Financial Advisors Edge podcast. Thanks for listening to the show. Check us out at thefinancialadvisorsedge.com if you want to learn more about us. If you enjoyed the content, make sure to leave us a five-star review and tell your friends about us. The opinions that are expressed in the shows are that of each host only and don't necessarily reflect the opinion of the other hosts. Like the weather, our opinions can change. This podcast isn't intended to provide tax, legal, or investment advice. Always consult with a qualified professional. We cannot guarantee our opinions or forecasts are right. See you next week.